Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to The Dinner Table. I'm so glad you're here every week. And this week, I'm very happy to have my friend, Chef Harold Ramos. Hello, hello. I've been wanting you to come out here to the farm for a while now just to... You know, I know you're in you. I know you guys have been well. Certainly, you're into food. You're a chef, right? Sure. But you're also over the years. I've noticed you have you and your wife have kept up with what we're doing, what I'm Absolutely. doing here on the farm, yeah. um, the farmers market, all that kind of stuff. So I know I knew you've always had an interest in you know, a little bit of whatever we're doing. And then I learned tonight. I knew you were a listener to the podcast. Yeah. But I didn't realize you were still like a weekly listener <laughs> to the podcast. Yes, it's a weekly pleasure for me. Yes. yes, I do very much enjoy this in the podcast. That's really good. I probably needed to hear that because yeah. I really have been, I mean, you you even knew that like they Spotify, since Spotify has taken it over yeah. after about two months, they have started shifting away from the way that um, Anchor was doing it. And so they made some changes on there and um, it's made me question, like, what am I doing? Is yeah. this worth my time? Yeah. You know, whatever. And I think the best question you asked me, which is really where I am in my thoughts about the podcast, are, is it giving you something besides the monetary sure. part of is it? Is it bringing you joy? Yeah. Basically? Yeah. yeah. And yes, the answer is yes. When it Good. comes to just like recording a podcast and spending time with friend and having dinner and having a delicious meal and cooking, and I can't wait to talk about the fried rice, but we cooked fried <laughs> rice tonight. Yeah. Um, just that that there, there's no doubt that in the dinner table conversations and my like greatest joy aside from you know like family and my children and all of those things right my greatest joy really is having long philosophical conversations with people just like talking things out with people yeah. like i don't feel like i can even get my point across in life unless i have the time to like hang out long enough with somebody to get past all of the like just shallow the, the minutia of like getting to know somebody whatever, yeah, yeah. Get, get into the bare bones of things yeah. yeah and then we can actually talk about life yeah like we can talk about the hard shit you know <laughs> exactly. like, i think that's a huge part of the dinner table talks that is like extremely valuable to me it's taught me a lot i've learned a lot about communicating with the world and getting better at it and uh learning from my mistakes and listening to myself talk. I don't listen to the podcast as much as I used to yeah. just because I get tired of listening to myself all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, But it's good to hear that there are definitely like people that are regular listeners and I can see the numbers, right? Yeah. But I never know like who that's actually affecting. Well, I, I think it's also kind of cool because like, you know, you've been on this journey of like cooking again mm -hmm. so, and he, getting back into cook. it. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's also a big part of, it, I think for you is, is the journey of cooking and learning, being comfortable in the kitchen mm -hmm. and knowing how to put things together. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's real important to have that skill. What was the word you, oh no, you were talking about prepping things. Oh, maison. Mise en place. Mise en place. Mise en place is a French word for everything in its place. Okay. So when you're going to cook, anything in general recipe wise uh -huh. you can either like be like a hurricane and open every cabinet every drawer in your kitchen or uh -huh. you can take your time prepare everything ahead of time uh-huh have it all there ready to go and then just make it as you go yeah and then that's how you work in a kitchen you have to have get to prep way ahead of time preparation have all your stuff prepped out measured out ready to go and you can cook it all in minute mm -hmm. so. and generally that is you know kind of the way i tend to do it but learning the the steps Sure. When to put things in, mm -hmm. you know, um, stuff like that was, you know, that's been a part of the journey, certainly. Um, uh, knowing, having the right tools. Sure. You know, tools are so important. Yeah. And so this, doing this podcast has kept that as a central focus sure. in my life. Like I'm still practicing and learning and getting better at, and kind of like the trip we talked about my, my road trip. It's like, there were some things that I needed to do to remind myself that I can do anything can do I want to do, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I think that it's probably people that know and listen to me are probably like, well, doesn't, doesn't she know how to do everything? I mean, she makes it seem like she knows how to do everything. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I really don't. And I tend to be one of those types of people that like, if I have a partner or a, it doesn't even have to be like an intimate partner or whatever, but if I have people around me that mm -hmm. do things better than I do, sure. I let them have that lane. Yeah. Like that's your lane, sure. you know, and then I pick up other things and learn that gives me the ability to pick up other projects and do other projects. And so when all of a sudden that lane is open back up again, you're like, oh crap. Well, I actually do know how to do this. I just have probably the biggest thing for me is the, 
Mise en place. Having everything Mise en place, ready. yeah. Just, yeah. you know, just make it part of your repertoire when you're in the kitchen is to always have everything within reach, you know, and ready to go. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have an under, requires uh, diced onions, then have them diced before you start cooking. Don't dice right. them at the last minute. Right. And have the garlic chopped, have the onions ready, have the stock hot, have the rice toasted, whatever you got to do. And then when it comes time, you can just put together really fast and you're working more efficiently and cleaner as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It simplifies everything. And then the other part of it for me is um, I'm pretty much a one-pot wonder mm-hmm. because sure. um, cooking meat, just cooking meat, I, I really had zero experience with cooking meat sure. outside of a pot of stew or soup or you know spaghetti or you know one pot type things i could do that but when it came to like cooking a piece of meat or cooking ribs or cooking whatever i almost always pull out the instant pot although i've cooked a steak and i've done a decent job at it yeah but um i think people are kind of wary sometimes with with, with meat and protein in general because they're they're the most costly item on the plate right so you don't want to screw up a steak that you totally pay 50, 20 bucks for absolutely if you if you burn some garlic you'll probably you'd be okay but yeah you burn a steak you're kind yep. of you're kind of out of luck no, right? you're right so yeah especially that, that farmer's market steak <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh-huh. not cheap uh-huh. yeah but so i could see the trepidation in that but uh-huh. the more you do the better you're going to be at it you know and, and it's about learning the techniques that's it yeah. and the steps so doing a weekly podcast look about it cook with you you're, you're kind of giving yourself like a weekly cooking lesson too yeah which is good yeah. And getting more comfortable in the kitchen. That's yeah. the important thing. So if you're listening regularly, then you know that I've been going to AI a lot. And because I have, you know, dietary needs and seasonal, like farm to table things that I have. And what do you think about that? Like, what do you think of the idea of like, well, uh, using AI for making a recipe or anything? What are your thoughts about that? So I, I heard you talk about that. <laughs> and I mean, it makes kind of makes sense. It's kind of nice. If you can see, I have such, such ingredients, give me a recipe. Uh-huh. But I think it, eventually it'll kind of stifle your creativity. Yeah. Because you're just relying on this entity that kind of give you ideas. Mm-hmm. And then you just no longer have the, the spark inside yourself to do it on your own. Uh-huh. So I think it's a good thing to have as a backup plan. But I think you also need to seek the knowledge when you come to the kitchen whether it be reading cookbooks or just going on blogs or websites and, and following shows that you admire, mm-hmm. uh, you see a guy who makes great food or whoever it is, and just kind of get to know them, and that'll kind of inspire you a little bit as well too. Yeah. But the AI thing, I mean, it's it's kind of I don't even know where it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> it seems It'll to be, be like it's re- it's progressing rapidly. Uh huh. And it's beneficial, but there are some risks, I guess. But I don't know what oh, yeah. the risks are yet. You know. We yeah. Don't know yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I I think if you know if you're in a pinch, use it. Why not? There's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. I also think that it leans into my one pot pot wonder mm-hmm, thing. Sure. Like it's always like, and well, I'm like, well, wait, the, what about this? The AI is going to know this? what you like eventually. So, okay, here, Aizan likes this. Go to one pot meals. Yeah. You know, one pot meals are great, but don't be afraid to, you know, make cold dishes dirty if you have to. Yeah. <laughs> make every dish in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, you brought up my um, dealing with like gluten and all that. Yeah. So the autoimmune stuff that I deal with. Mm-hmm. And um, you were mentioning that your daughter, my daughter, when also, she was little, yeah, when she right? was two years old, was diagnosed with Graves' disease. So mm-hmm. we've we've definitely faced that head on and experienced, you know, mm-hmm. the issues that can come with that. Mm-hmm. But we've we've been very fortunate. She's had a, a recovery more or less this last mm-hmm. couple of years. She mm-hmm. seems to be healing and on the way to recovery from it completely. But that's great. It's hard to know, you know, yeah. what the future entails with that. Yeah. How is her diet? Does she like? Does she eat everything? I like. Does she get she, into that? She eats everything. She eats she, everything. She's very. Yeah. Uh, she's not picky at all. Mm-hmm. But of course, like any teenage girl, she still loves Chick Fil A. Right. <laughs> I can't get yeah. away from that place. She cannot stop eating it. That's funny. So that's her guilty pleasure. But no, she's very. She's very health conscious. She's a, a dancer at school, so she's you know very focused on her nutrition and her exercise and being in shape. I had gotten a craving for Thai basil fried rice. Um, there's a a uh, Thai restaurant in town that makes an excellent Thai basil fried rice that I used to eat a lot. I actually don't eat out hardly at all anymore. I'm out there. I'm harvesting beautiful, beautiful Thai basil right now, beautiful flowers on it. We're about to get to that point in the season where it is not anymore. It doesn't like this cold, wet weather. Basil doesn't. So I got in my head, even before I thought about, oh yeah, uh, Harold's coming this week, was at the grocery store. I noticed that they had our um, Gulf shrimp for like $5 a pound. Okay. I'm going to get some shrimp and then I'm going to give fried rice a try. I'm going to make some Thai basil fried rice. And I haven't made 
back in the old days, Joe made fried rice for us all the time. Yeah. He was pretty good at it. Like he had gotten, you know, pretty, uh, uh, good at that being one of the dishes that he made around the sure. house. Again, like for me, the most important part of learning is all about timing. All mm -hmm. like, like I, and I know, I know that fried rice is all about the timing, exactly. all about those pieces of things. And so all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, Harold's coming. Okay, Harold, I want to make <laughs> yeah. fried rice. And you're like, all right, I need, and I, you need this and you need, I'll bring it. Don't worry. And you yeah. came, but then you mentioned that you have to have the fried, the actual rice. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of debatable, but, but from experience, from what I've seen, talk to the chefs, people I've worked with that, that the secret to fried rice for not getting sticky and weird is mm -hmm. using day old rice. Okay. That's been cooked before. It has time to cool down and it kind of dries out a little bit. Uh-huh. So it's able to toast a little more in the pan. That makes so sense. That, that, that's an easy, easy yeah. hack, right? So. Yeah. Uh, but then with, when it comes to cooking in a wok or high heat like that, mise en place is super important. Again, because you have to have everything within reach and ready to go. So mm -hmm. like uh, the base for like uh, any, almost any Asian will be a ginger garlic scallion. Mm -hmm. So when we came in, we started chopping the garlic. We had the scallion cut. We had everything ready to go. Mm -hmm. And then it's just the process of doing things in, in batches mm -hmm. because we don't have the I, the BTUs of like a restaurant mm -hmm. walk. So so that's the fire. Yeah. The so so when you're when you're cooking at home, you know you do it in batches. You know you do like the, the shrimp first a little bit. You do the vegetables a little bit. You do the rice last. The eggs. Whereas mm -hmm. in in a restaurant, you would do it all in one pot at one time. Uh huh. But you know we have to kind of make things different because we're smuggling a smaller scale and less right. less power. Right. But uh, we used some of that beautiful shrimp. We clean, clean uh, we, we peeled it up, cleaned up, deveined the shrimp, marinated a little bit of garlic, a little ginger, a little uh, basil, mm -hmm. a little bit of sesame oil, and then we took the uh, your eggplant. You had some yeah. little baby eggplants, Tiny cut those up. Little They're ones. really nice. Some yeah. shishito peppers. Uh huh. And we blistered those in there as well. And then uh, we sauteed everything together. We made a little salad with some, uh, you had some beautiful cucumbers as well. And some big, nice French some, breakfast Some French fresh, breakfast yeah. radishes, some mm -hmm. of your red wine vinegar, mm -hmm. a little sesame oil, mm -hmm. and uh, fresh Anaheim peppers. I put an Anaheim nice. pepper, and I good. gave it a little heat too. It yeah, actually it had a little bit of heat really in it. It was good, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big cucumber fan, but when uh -huh. they're marinated and fresh, I like them like that. Uh huh. So, yeah. Perfect. I literally went out there. Okay, <laughs> here's the story. You're on your way. I know I want to get some basil. I realize that gosh, you know, I really don't have anything to do for a salad. And I always want my guests to be able to taste the red wine vinegar. And I, so I was like, okay, well, I think I have at least one cucumber that's ready to go. Yeah. So I go out there and I, I literally slipped and fell down in the mud. <laughs> oh my God. Luckily I caught myself yeah. to where the only thing that got muddy was like my hand, but I was just like, it's, that was the most ridiculous. Like I'm literally, you guys, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm in the mud and the rain harvesting radishes, cucumbers, basil, you know, all of this stuff. So it came fresh out of the mud, straight into the house, washed, and then put into our salad today. Cucumber That's how really, fresh it was. It was good too. It had like, had like a little bit of a, of a, like a thicker flesh. I'm yeah. Used to seeing. It was good. Yeah. I think that that, mm, I, I, that might be the variety that, yeah. uh, that may be the variety. Mm -hmm. It's a, a Bushmaster, like a space, like actually really, really liked the way those grew. That variety grew. Um, it doesn't grow like massive vines everywhere. Um, and so it stayed really nicely on my trellis. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've been going up to Georgetown and buying USDA certified organic plants and bringing them down and using those. And what that's doing is two things. It's giving me the ability to get, well, one of the things I've had the most trouble with is the timing of starting my seeds mm -hmm. so that I get the plants when I need them to go in the ground based on how hot it is when I need to start the seeds in the summertime and how cold it is when I need to start the seeds in the wintertime. And if you don't have a really good system set up, uh, like, like the nurseries do and like the seed yeah. planters do, then you just, you, you just never quite get it right. Your timing sure. isn't quite right and whatever. And so that helped me with timing. And then because I'm going up and buying enough to bring down and sell um, at retail prices to everyone else, then it pays for me to go up there to Georgetown. It sure. even pays for some of the plants that I'm putting in the ground. Oh, good. And so that's really been a beneficial part to the business is to, to, to get that, you know, stuff going. And then the second greatness of that is that my pricing from those plants for organic plants 
is actually cheaper than what you're going to get from the nurseries in town. Nice. And most of the nurseries don't have certified organic um, sure. vegetables. And so basically I just pick up whatever they have, the timing with what, so that cucumber was one of their um, varieties. I've got some really beautiful patty pan squash, yellow squash, all of that stuff. But at the same time that I was planting their plants that I'd gotten, I was also planting some of my seeds mm -hmm. and some of them have caught up. Like, so some of my wow. zucchini plants are putting on zucchinis now that I planted by seed. So it's kind of, you know, it, it basically just helps. It just helps. So, so do you, make, you maintain and, a pretty thorough seed bank? I have tons of seeds. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I save a lot of seeds. As a matter of fact, I save uh, seeds and gather them up and tend to give those away. Like I'll attach my business cards to mm -hmm. them. And when I go to like farmer's markets and stuff like that, because they're not vital enough for me, or I don't know the vitality enough for me to like sure. sell them to people, yeah. but they're a really nice little walk away, you know, with, so lettuce and cucumbers and squash and cantaloupe and watermelon and all the things that are pretty easy to seed uh, tomatoes sometimes and stuff like that. But I save a lot of seeds. There's been a time in my life where, well, when we lived in Corpus Christi, when rats were a problem, like I, I don't, it's actually kind of funny. We deal with less problems out here. I mean, I have like more dust and spiders, yeah. but mostly it's cause I carry it in. Um, but in town, man, we had rodents and really? like all kinds of, you know, whatever. We had a rat that lived in the house that ate seeds, ate my seeds. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, uh, like I would have like, anyway, that was a whole different life. Uh, <laughs> I, was like, I was on a different planet, I felt like. So is there like a, um, a culture of like um, seed trading? People trade seeds and yeah. they give you these, yeah? Yeah, I think other... they're, I definitely, I don't, I mean, there's, there's seed swaps that are occurring mm -hmm. down here in Corpus Christi pretty regularly. I haven't been to one in a really long time, mm -hmm. but yeah, definitely. And if you go to any of the small farmer conferences, they always have uh, yeah. in the agenda a block of time for seed swapping. Okay. And then they'll like get a big donation of a bunch of seeds from one of the companies high mowing or, you know, something like that. And they'll put those out on the table and then they'll encourage other people to bring their seeds too. And so everybody just kind of starts swapping seeds around. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, but, but I, I don't find a lot of times at those types of places, a whole lot of seed save swipe swapping. You know, like when I give my seeds away, those are seeds from my property, my sure. farm. And I don't know the vitality of them. Yeah. I know that a lot of, with each year, let's put it that way, more things that I grow out here regrow themselves. Now, certain like annual things like broccoli and cauliflower and stuff like that, I'm I'm not really reseeding much of that. Yeah. The radishes will reseed. The melons will definitely reseed. The pumpkins will reseed. Any of my herbs that I let go to seed it, to sure. flower and to seed, they'll reseed. Um, okay. The lettuce will reseed. Carrots will reseed. Oh, oh, I have carrots that come up from season to season on their That's own. That's amazing. Yeah. It's it's weird. And it, this is one of the things we talked about last week on um, the, the show with Tevin was how little we know about the entire cycle of the plant. I was just, I was just going to remark that. That um, I think when people think about farming and like produce and all these things, you always think of the end product and mm -hmm. and how it how it end up on your plate, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people really think about like seeds. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like right. okay, this this carrot came from a little seed, right? And, and someone had to nurture that and grow it right. to where it's on your right. plate today. Yeah. And uh, I had an experience a couple of years ago with the. Um, the beef council here in Texas, I did a pasture to plate tour. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was also kind of the same idea to where you see where your steak comes from, your the, the beef mm -hmm. that you eat. We actually see where it comes from from the grass all the way to your plate. Mm -hmm. So that was eye opening for me as a chef to kind of see the, the process of how cattle is raised and, and brought to slaughter, right? Yeah. And when when you experience that kind of thing, you have a deeper appreciation for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You you cherish those items a little more closely. You don't you don't want to burn that steak or overcook right. it because you right. know right. what it took to produce right. that, right? Right. So yeah. I think I think with vegetables and produce in general, I think a lot of people don't. There's a disconnect. Absolutely, that maybe needs to be addressed. Probably. Oh yeah. 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 And I mean, I think that that in terms of where my energy goes and whether I focus on the podcast or what my energy is spent in growing food and talking to people about how to sure. grow food, but people that are want that and are ready for it. And it's, it's strange that it comes out of all these different like pockets of the community. Like I can put the community into different like categories and say, Oh, well, 
um, you know, Corpus Christi doesn't and Rockport does. And, you know, I can put the community into different categories, but the fact of the matter is people that are ready to learn that information that you're yeah. talking about come from all facets sure. of life around here. And they'll, what I'm looking for is people to come to me and ask me mm -hmm. for, okay, I'm ready to understand how this yeah. works. Um, and when, the, and you're right, you're hundred percent correct. It changes the way we think about everything. When we watch the entire process of an animal, yeah. you know, can't compare what farming is to what industrial agriculture is. Oh, yeah. And it's the same thing with meat. Meat yeah. is an, an industrial agriculture. And what that system is doing is killing things. Yeah. What farmers do is create life and we maintain life and we regenerate life and we feed and we, we, we don't kill things because killing things grow is things. wasteful. Yeah. 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 We, we, we keep things alive. Yeah. We grow things. We make things, you know, live. And so there's some lesson there. Like every time somebody wants every, when people hear about my diet, hear about the way I am about food, almost always assume that I'm a vegetarian or a vegan. Yeah. And I'm like, Nope, I eat meat. It's like, the number one thing I eat, I eat more meat than I eat everything else, anything else. Oh, really? You know, and then I get into, yeah, life, all of the pieces of life on my farm are a resource. Every single thing mm -hmm. that occurs out here is a resource to me. And, um, the way that I treat the animals and the fact that everything has, everything that is out here is alive. Yeah. And pest control, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that oftentimes talk to people about pests i don't i mean it, everything needs food and water sure. every everything needs food and water and safety whether it's a live animal or a caterpillar or a human everything needs food water and safety <laughs> you know if i can provide <laughs> food yeah. water and safety yeah. to all the living things on my on my piece of property mm -hmm. that's what i want to teach people that these other things that we have learned like you can't expect to to kill everything and yeah. expect for the humans to be able to live through that because we're well, a part of the system. It's like we talked earlier about like there's like this generational knowledge that's been handed down to us like about weeds and about insects, right? So mm -hmm. it, it's it's kind of hard to change the narrative, but you're doing it, you know, mm -hmm. with this podcast and what you do every day. So that's yeah. important work you have to do, I think. Yeah, and I think that um, have, I, I love having the conversations with chefs and um, and then people that work with food, because then we can have, well, what's the reality of that conversation? And I think that, um, you know, we get in the kitchen, we make this beautiful fried rice, the Thai basil, all of the things you understand, you know, the process of shrimp and shrimping. And where does that come from? Yeah. And how do we get that? And, you know, and, and how do you get $5 a pound for your shrimp? You know, like, <laughs> how do we, how can we, you know, actually, if you think about yeah. it, a pound of shrimp for five bucks, yeah, that's, that's, pretty good. that's a, that's I mean, a that's a deal. nice that's protein, a deal. right? And if it's fresh, gold should be even better. Yeah. So. Well, it was, they, it looked like what had happened was they had a little bit left mm -hmm. and they had just brought in the new. And mm -hmm. so they were wanted to yeah. sell, they wanted you to buy this sure, one course, first. Yeah. And I was like, first I'll day, buy that time. one. Yeah. Yes. And I, mean, I look at the prices of meat now. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that more in a minute. Yeah. So talking about the prices of meat and the prices of the shrimp not being wasteful. And one of the biggest conversations that I've been like instigating, I'm an instigator, you know that already. Sure, yeah. um, one of the biggest conversations I've been instigating is the, pr the price of food, the profit margin of food. Um, and also people get real about what's happening with the economy. Okay. You're seeing it, but it's not going to get better. It's actually going to get worse. And <laughs> it's, it's now the new normal. It's yeah. not, not going to go back. We're not right. going to have retraction. Yeah. It's forward moving onwards. That's it. I hadn't really been selling food. Uh, honestly, I had been selling like the industry, like teaching people that mm -hmm. we needed this industry and yes, learning how to garden and educate. I was selling education, you know, teaching sure. and all of those types of things, but I hadn't been one of the farmers there selling food. And so now I'm doing that. Right. And, um, like I said, you know, I, I don't make money selling cucumbers. I don't make money selling squash. I don't make money selling watermelons. I don't make, I don't make money selling that. You know, I think pr problem is too, is, is when you look, you go to a grocery store and you buy a cucumber that's been mass produced on a, you know, scale, a scale. Yeah. That's all done, you know, 
efficiently and cheaply as possible. But mm -hmm. when you're doing something on your hands and knees and you're mm -hmm. in the dirt doing it yourself, mm -hmm. you know, what is your time worth? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the, the seed itself you grew, like what's your time worth? Right. And then can that translate to what you're going to sell it for? Right. People aren't going to want to pay five yeah. bucks for a cucumber. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I can buy you know, 10 of them for right. $3 at HEB, yeah. you know? And I do look at that. Like you I'm know? sitting there like a little pile of squash, a little pile of cucumbers, yeah. and I'm already marking them up a hundred percent more than what you're paying at but, the grocery I mean, store. There's only so much. Yes, you know? so, exactly. But you, you mentioned earlier about like transforming ingredients and that's the way I think mm -hmm. you could, you can make is these what it is. more profitable. Take yeah. a cucumber and like ferment it and make fermented yeah. pickles or yeah. pickle, whatever you want to do with it. That's yeah. a way to, to monetize that product a little more, I think for sure, manipulating it. The best example I have so far since I've gotten back into this and started moving that direction was making pumpkin bread sure. um, because I couldn't sell my pumpkins. Um, and I had them for like $2 <laughs> and, and then I took those pumpkins and divided yeah. them by divide one pumpkin yes. into five pieces of five loaves of pumpkin yeah, bread. That's it. And, uh, charged that's, a ridiculous that's, price. That's, that's the restaurant business right there in a nutshell, <laughs> <laughs> you know, take something right. and uh, scale it up to, you know, profit. That's and then you were talking about like the packaging, right? Yeah. Well, every single thing you think yeah. about, and I try like. I, I wouldn't say that my stuff is like the highest professional scale of marketing. I mm -hmm. can do that crap if yeah. I want to do it. Yeah. I just don't want, I don't want that to even cost more Sure. because I did some special packaging on mm -hmm. it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you were talking about mm -hmm. the to-go containers, yeah. like going up to a dollar oh, a piece or, a or something ridiculous or more, like yeah. that. It's yeah. just the pandemic kind of created that. Uh -huh. that that kind of need and then it just kind of stayed <laughs> it uh -huh. became accepted to pay that much for a to-go container so uh -huh. that's unfortunately what, what's been happening with the food business since the pandemic i think hit um we just kind of accepted the prices they were and some things that have rolled back but majority of things that went up have kind of stayed the same they uh -huh. haven't really you know i want to say pre-pandemic i was paying like 11 dollars a pound for like pismo filet mignon and I'm paying anywhere between eighteen and twenty dollars now. And that's, that's been the same way it's been the last three years, and hasn't really gone down. Yeah, and it won't. It'll stay there forever because everyone's just paying the same price, and we've accepted it. Right. Interesting. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. That's the part of doing business. So yeah. Well, that that leads me into um, getting into, or someone messaged me the other day about a, a local small business that I love, and you know, just that they're they're struggling and kind of the timing when they picked up and everything like that. And, and it's I'm like, a lot. yeah, it is, I, it is. I won't really be hard. surprised, <clears throat> not about them necessarily, but I won't be surprised if we have another massive hit to the small local businesses that aren't really well established again, after another phase of the economic realities when, the, when the, that's the thing. And, and here's the interesting thing. And I, we, Oh, I know what it was I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about having coffee with my parents because I have coffee <laughs> with my parents thing. every week, That's every day. You're, you know? you're blessed to have that. Yeah. You really are. Yeah. You really are. Thank you. I, I, I believe so. And we have such interesting conversations. And um, we were talking about, you know, some of the costs of things and this morning and, um, and the idea that like what it hasn't, we're getting that slow trickle down effect in Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. Um, the way we normally hate it, we're actually getting the good side of it sure. this time. The same way we got the good side of it during the pandemic. Yeah. You remember how like mm -hmm. we didn't get the pandemic till like the very end because we're like down here <laughs> yeah. and we're real yeah. spread and out. We thought and we're, we're going to be good. We're all yeah. good down here. Yeah. Not so much. Right. Well, and we were like number one for a while. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I, what I see, what my vision sees, what my forecast sees is that the economic downturn hasn't made reality in Corpus Christi yet. Probably not at the scale. Interestingly enough, though, I see that there's a huge divide right now, which that's not surprising, really. But there's a huge divide between actually there's a lot of money down here and there's still people that still live in the mindset as if we don't have any money yeah. down here. And we actually have a lot of money down here compared to what we've had in the last oh, 40 for to sure, 50 years sure. down here, for sure. And like you were talking about all of the changes and the um, the road, I mean, every road is under construction mm -hmm. down here. And mm -hmm. we haven't been that way. Never. Like, 
Yeah. Not like not like you drove like, to San Antonio, yeah. you drove to Dallas, yeah. you drove to Houston. Mm-hmm. It was always under, under construction. Yeah. Everything. We yeah. we haven't had that. We have building that now. a bridge, right, or something like that, right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they ever get it done, dude? It's yeah. That you're starting to see when you well, it's going to be dark when you head back, but when you go back you'll see that it's like, you, it's almost like you could connect now, mm-hmm. even though it's not connected yet. But it will be. You can see it. Nice. You can That'll see the nice. like, oh, that's where it's going. Yeah. So it's I, I've had the opportunity driving back and forth across the bridge mm-hmm. of being able to see the actual the changes, progress. the progress as each, you know, and I'm not super like, oh, that's not something I'm super aware of. Like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that kind of, I'm aware of different kinds of things, but that's not something I'm super aware of. But the other day I was like, oh, Oh, I can see where we're going to go up. It's happening. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. yeah. So there's been a lot of um, changes down here. Um, but I think that that when the reality of like, we're still pretending like that's not the reality of what's happening, the finances, right? And, and I think, I think another factor we don't really think about too much, which I've been seeing lately a lot is, you know, the increase of goods have gone up the price, but also labor, labor costs. Yeah. So. What people were making before the pandemic, you can't pay them that anymore. Uh-huh. They just, they won't take it. Yeah. So like finding people was hard for a long time. You know, we have to kind of regroup. So, you know, right. We, we got to gotta pay them more. Right. Got, people need a living wage. They right. can't just live off, you know, what minimum wage is what's still what, 725 the last 20 something years. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and I know there was like a push for like a $15, you know, national minimum wage, but it's happening on its own already. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to be the norm sooner than you think, mm-hmm. you know, everybody I talk to is like, how do I do what you do? And I'm <laughs> like, you, um, step out and, and live on complete faith Sure. and you cut your budget by 50%, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm instigating that conversation. Not yeah. just to like, it's not about doomsday. Like, Oh, you know, I mean, I do talk about that stuff and someone that's sees the way I talk about things as a doomsday thing. Okay, fine. But it's not about that. To me, yeah. it's about, um, well, how do, how do I live a life? And I, I said this several times at dinner, mm-hmm. how do I live a life that, that is my job that some people literally, that's like their dream life, their dream vacation, yeah. their dream. Like I live, that's my job, right? Yeah. How do I do that? I don't buy the same things other people buy. I don't have the same things that other people, I don't, I don't go to this. I don't eat out. I don't, you know, like I don't have the same. So that's been my biggest thing. And, you know, and I think that when it comes to losing our local businesses and, um, the fact that the scale of food has made, made it seem like food is supposed to be cheap. Then when the first answer that someone would give is, well, I'm going to cut my, um, food budget. Yeah. I'm like, sure. oh, that's crazy because that's like the last thing I would cut is my food budget. The first <laughs> thing I would cut, cut ne- would be Netflix, my healthcare yeah, budget. Get rid of Netflix, oh, whatever else. Yeah. That one, yeah. right? Healthcare, yeah. too, for sure. Yeah. That's a, well, that's it's a trap. In, oh, my God. Yeah. It's insane. Like, even healthy people, I hear how often they go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and I don't know. I have a, I have a different history with the healthcare system because I saw and experienced more healthcare issues before the age of 21 than most people have their entire lifetime. Um, and so I've actually seen how many times they don't know what they're talking Mm -hmm. about and I'm Mm -hmm. giving them a lot of money to not know what they're talking about, you know? Um, and, uh, and so for me, that's, you know, that's my budget cut. And, but that was it for me a long time ago. You know, I think to the problem with like medicine is that, you know, Every individual is different. So for someone to have all the answers, it's just not, not really possible. Certainly not. I, all, you know the only I mean? person it's I have all the answers possible. for is myself. Is I don't yeah, have the, exactly. all the answers for anybody yeah. else. But I also, um, what, I mean, not having all the answers, like I, I'm not the kind of person that relies on someone else that is going to be able to answer the questions for my problems. Sure. Like I can't go, I can't go pay somebody to, um, like I was talking about earlier, the first question everybody always asks me um, is, uh, what do I spray on the caterpillars on my <laughs> you know, plants or whatever? And I'm like, I, I don't spray things on the yeah. caterpillars. I, I don't know. You'll have to go talk to the master gardeners about that, I guess. I don't know. I don't like, that's not how I do because I, I, you spend too much money on doing that. And so I think that every single like conversation you get into, it's 
is this somebody that's looking for a quick answer or is this somebody that's looking to solve a problem? Like actually figure out like what's the method of solving that problem. And that, you know, that's how I base the answer to my question. Basically when somebody asks me that kind of thing, are we actually going to solve the, are we going to actually yeah. solve the problem or you just want a quick answer? And I, I would guess that most of the medical professionals are probably like, that's just the crap they're dealing with too. On top of that, they also have to deal with the liability crap that goes oh, along yeah. with it. And if they answer that question incorrectly, mm -hmm. <laughs> then, a lot of insurance know. is expensive to have malpractice lawsuits, cost of it's, it's a, uh, I grew up the son of a physician, so I oh, kind of right. was He's around it. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess I learned from him that like we're the worst patients, like like doctors and doctors' kids. They mm -hmm. don't they don't go to the doctor. Uh -huh. like, we just don't go. We're just yeah. we're the worst, you know. And we realize that yeah, it, there there is a big part of it now that uh, it's just it's like like agro farming, big farming. It's just like yeah. it, it's it's a business, right? Just a big, huge business that takes advantage of people who are in need sometimes, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the cost of, you know, going, going to the doctor, what, what did my mom tell me this morning? She said, I have to go get my shoulder checked, not because I needed to get anything checked on my shoulder, but because there's an arthritis medicine that she takes. Sure. And in order for them to continue giving her the arthritis yeah. medicine, she has to go back yeah, to the to doctor go and go to the loops and get this. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Right. And I'm just like that, that even healthy people, yeah. are spending a mm -hmm. lot of money and time going to the doctor for things that they don't really need to go to the doctor sure. for, you know? And so I think to me, that's a, but there's no, I don't believe there's any way to, I don't believe in fighting to make change. I don't believe in war to make change. I believe in having a conversation that pisses people off and makes sure. them think, you know, you can be pissed off at me. I, it doesn't affect me at all. Like, how angry you are that I said these words. What affects me is, did it make you angry enough to think for one second? Did I plant a seed of why the hell am I spending all this money on this particular thing? Or simply, did you just say to yourself, oh, she's crazy and move on? Either way, it doesn't affect me, but I'm starting a conversation, planting a seed in somebody that yeah. says, okay, well, what if? Like, why is it that I, like, this is someone else talking. Why is it that I can go in, have a conversation with the doctor, tell the doctor everything that's wrong with me, um, tell the doctor what I probably need. And then the doctor writes that prescription <laughs> and charges me $150, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Well, I mean, I get it because if somebody wanted, I mean, somebody could come over to me here at the farm to get a garden coaching, whatever, consultation or whatever. And if they come into my space and into my time. Well, I don't give a shit if they already knew the answer when they walked in the door, yeah. I'm going to still charge them. Of course. You yeah. know, right. Yeah. So now that gets me wanting to start people to have a conversation. Doctors are not your priests. They are not, they do not have all the answers for you. They are not, if you don't follow their rules, you are not going to hell. If you don't, <laughs> you know, like, you know, yeah. whatever they, they work when you go into their office, you are paying them for a service. Absolutely. Ask for what you want. Yeah. Tell them what you need. If they don't like that, go find a new one. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's always, I have lots of friends who are doctors too. And they always tell me like, when you go in to see a doctor, have your questions. Mm -hmm. Most of us just go there and sit there, like have questions and, and they'll answer right. for you if they're yeah. good doctors. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it, it's no different than somebody asking me, which product to, do I need to buy to kill my caterpillars? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm not interested in that conversation because you just want the lazy answer. Basically sure. you want to just come and sit in my office and have me write a prescription for you. Right. You know, <laughs> unfortunately that that's the uh, answer for everything nowadays. It seems like. Yeah. And, um, and, and then like getting into the conversation about diets and food and all of that kind of stuff it's kind of the same thing. It's like, what diet can I buy? What diet can I follow? Mm -hmm. And then, Oh, somebody told me I, that's a bad diet. I need to do this other diet. And then after a while you don't follow any diets because none of them are convenient. None of them are affordable. None of them are satisfying. And someone else around the corner just told you you were doing everything wrong. Yeah. So who do There's you even trust? A new version around the corner. Right. Every day. Yeah. So it's, um, to me, it's about, it's about having the conversations at the dinner table. It's about talking about it without talking about it. We can't 
get to, we don't, and again, we don't have to fight about it to talk about it. Even if I have a really loud, aggressive voice, I do. That's, <laughs> I was, it's who I am, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's not, it's not a, it doesn't have to be a fight to um, question everything that we're doing and whether or not the cost of those things that we're, we feel like we're chained to, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, I think that for the healthcare, I mean, the healthcare system, the healthcare, I've, that's been where I got put like mm-hmm. in life, you know, the, the type of marketing that I was, um, being prepared for, you know, all of those things was, and throughout the entire process of having a premature baby and being on Medicare and chips with, you know, and, and just how corrupted those systems were to just get anybody that wasn't educated enough to be able to like ask questions and Mm -hmm. get the help that they actually needed. Right. Um, I've, I've learned how, I don't even know, like how distant we are from understanding anything about our own personal health. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't, it, that hasn't been, um, well, you know, I, I think it's, you talk about like generational knowledge and stuff and that we just been from the very beginning, you know, we, we've been told to like, just give ourselves over to modern medicine yeah, and to not question it yeah, because they're the experts. You right. Know? So I think that's, that's what you're talking about. I think it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like indoctrination. Yeah. And then if you ask questions, then it's, it's, you get told not to ask questions. Like you, Mm -hmm. you don't like, you remember when the internet came out and we were all like, you know, every single thing, every like, you know, thing we had on our body, we'd be like (laughs) looking up on the internet and everyone told us don't do that. And I was like, but why, why would we not? Like, I'm not saying that we know what we're talking about when we read something on the internet, but it certainly gets us paying attention Mm because to me, that's been the most successful part of my wellness has been, I know my body better than anybody else knows my body. So when I go in to talk to a doctor about my, an endocrinologist about my hormones and my thyroid, Mm -hmm. and she knows how I am about my body and listens to me talk and says, okay, how do we get you off this medicine? Like I'm, I'm, I'm team. Let's get you off this medicine as quick as we possibly can. Right. The only way that you can do that or have the confidence to do it is to have been willing to do that and have the education and the experience. And I mean, I was in marketing in the healthcare industry, my entire professional career, even the stuff that I do now, it's marketing and wellness, it's marketing Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And so I, know it intimately and I don't know it the way a doctor knows it, but I know it intimately based on my body and the way we communicate with people about it. I know it intimately in a way that other people don't know it. And I also have had a lot of it personal experiences with like healthcare stuff. And so I, I feel like that and the conversation we were having before about food Mm -hmm. and then the conversation about the changing in the prices of food and all of those things is must be extremely important for where we're going in the next era because it's all I seem to like, it's like just keep locking into more conversations about, um, you know, well, okay, how are we going to keep our local businesses in business when the price of just the to go containers yeah. is, you know, and the price of the cost of pe- you know, every, every single one of these things. Like, I feel like I'm kind of all over the map with this, but it's because it feels like it's so big and important. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, when I'm bringing this conversation up about food budgets and, or not food budgets, but general budgets, cutting our food costs is the thing that people go to first. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang. That's maybe the wrong answer. (laughs) Well, and and, and, okay, if you're talking to Aislinn, everyone's going, of course, that's the wrong answer if you're talking to Aislinn. But the fact is, is that God put me here for a reason, (laughs) you know, like with a focus on a very certain thing. Um, with a vision that anybody who's paid any attention to the last 10 years of my life is like, that chick knows something, something's Mm -hmm. going on inside there that she knew before we knew what was coming, you know, like, so, so I think that that, like, just the, like asking more restaurant owners, like, 
how are you like, how is that even going to work? Like, like people knowing where does their food come from? Like, I don't know that that's going to be able to work. I mean, there's been a a big trend in the last, let's say 25, 30 years to, to understand that, you know, like where the food comes from and, and there's so much more information and knowledge now out there available to, to the consumer about, you know, farm a table and like restaurants that always highlighted where the products coming from, who they're working with. Farmers have um, deep connection with like certain chefs. I remember like I was, I was a young uh, culinary student at CIA. Uh, we saw a video about uh, Chino Farms uh-huh. with Wolfgang Puck. Uh-huh. I, I never really knew about it. Like, okay, this guy has a farm. He goes to and gets all his ingredients from his one guy and they grow them specifically tomatoes for his restaurant. Like that was opening to me as a right. young person seeing that like 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's it's, – it's kind of become – mainstream now to kind of you look at menus and restaurants not so much here but you go to austin or somewhere you're going to see like uh-huh. highlighting where this came from where this where this cheese was made and where this vegetable was brought from you know so mm-hmm. that education is out there but i just think down here in corpus we're still not at that point yet we're still a little behind the times with that but i yeah. see you know I, I see your name on, on menus too i see what you're, you're out there with Molino <laughs> and some places and that's that's important to do, you know. I know you're it working with Zelina and Galley Bistro too. Yeah, so. yeah. But Country Club soon. We'll yeah, have, we'll have some Aislinn products there too. It, uh, it has, it's, it's a those that that kind of stuff is a dream come true. Sure. You know, 15 years ago, I never would have even imagined that, and here we, you know, here we are in those moments. So I'm very grateful. Tevin and I talked about this a lot last week. I'm very grateful for the the shifts that have come and the things that we've seen. And you know, when you take 15 to when you take 10 to when you take 10 to 15 years to do something Mm -hmm. you've raised an entire generation you invested for sure exactly so we've got baby we've got college kids that are adults with children now Mm -hmm. that i was teaching and then we've got babies little kids that are you know becoming adults my my children were little children you know like Mm -hmm. uh the second or third Boktoberfest, my daughter was 10 she broke her leg like now she's a 19 year old adult woman you know so that happened during that time period that's remarkable thing about this little kids who were at the market 10 years ago are now like you know exactly in their 20s okay i grew up with this exactly and they teach their kids yes you know that's generational again and that is definitely where why some of that stuff's mainstream and and minimally at Mm -hmm. least it was in the conversation then as we have more people moving in from out of town like there's i i follow a group that i actually really like it i think it might be a welcome to corpus christi Mm -hmm. and it's become a really good engaging group Mm. where all of these new people are moving to town they're in the group and then you have people that are from the area that are in the group that you know share schooling them a little bit what's absolutely and so they will ask very open-ended questions and of course you've got the typical Corpus Christi answer. Oh, ain't nothing good here. <laughs> Just got a bunch of potholes. And then <laughs> you've got, you then you've got like twenty other people, you know, yeah. answering these. They're like, promoting. Absolutely, yep. mm-hmm. yes. And tell yeah. these new people in this yes. in our town what yeah. all good local restaurants we have. And yeah. somebody asked, "Where do you eat clean in Corpus Christi?" And I think there were like five answers, and I gave the most, you know. And I said, "I eat sushi." Mm-hmm. I said, "There's a hippie bowl at Water Street that I eat." Um, Vietnam's pretty good, but they're pricey, Yeah, you know, and it basically I was like, and that's, you know, pretty much, I mean, it, there's just not a lot of like really clean and somebody else named Zombra, I think, which I haven't been to Zombra. Oh, that's Fusion. actually my, um, my wife's, uh, stepsister. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so she, I don't mm-hmm. know that restaurant. It's yeah. Asian food. Uh, I think she does like a, like Middle Eastern. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, like Mediterranean. Stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, like, okay, and it kind of depends on what you're talking about with clean food, sure. but when you're talking yeah. about Guajillos, I named them, they're out mm-hmm. in Corday, they do, you know, it's about the oils. It's about having gluten-free options. It's about leaving cheese out of things. It's about, you know, it's about getting the freshest vegetable, the most freshest vegetables you can get or whatever. And I said, the other option would be that, you know, there are some cooks, chefs in town that are doing like prepared clean meals, mm-hmm. you know, getting out the door. But it is a huge difference from here to Austin. Sure. Not that I want to live in Austin or deal yeah. with all that crap up there. <laughs> but yeah. no doubt you yeah. can go to, I was talking to a guy a couple nights ago that was talking about going over to a Greek food um, truck. Mm-hmm. And he's real strict about his food like I am, real clean, 
you know, types of eating. And he was telling me about this, he was going to go get food from this Greek food truck. And he was telling me about how clean the way they make mm -hmm. all of their foods are. And I was like, oh, that's right. You know, cause I kind of, I don't go to Austin like I used to, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, that was, I remember like the first time I went to a vegetarian restaurant was in Austin, you yeah, know, probably same for me. Yeah. And the first time I went to like a really good farm to table dinner where they were actually doing farm to table ingredients mm -hmm. on the, you know, was in Austin. And then I was coming home from, I, when I go up to Georgetown to get the plants, I um, come home through Lockhart and apparently there's like a little battle going on in Lockhart between oh, the, black the, yeah, the black barbecue and the black barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah there, there's a whole yeah. uh, ancestral uh, riffraff over there. It <laughs> sounds like, like you know more about yeah, it than I do. There, there's like there's Smitty's, uh, Blacks, and then there's Cruz's Mark and they're all kind of Well, and then, the but then there's like a Blacks too. and then another Blacks, yeah, right? Yeah, Trey Blacks, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so what I decided to do, I like barbecue. Oh, yeah. And what I decided to do, and I'll, I, I will generally, especially in Texas, eat beef in little, little, like I might go sure. to a barbecue place or whatever, you know, um, because I know that we get a higher quality. We, we usually are. You've been to butters over here. I haven't been to butters yet. Ooh. That's what I'm saying. I don't right, eat out anymore. Right I really don't. I it's literally, incentive. the only time I eat out is when I go to Austin. If you and want drive barbecue, back. it's probably the best barbecue right now. In this okay. Area. All right. Okay. Weekends only. I, I saw a incentive. picture. Yeah. It's, it's legit. It. It's really good. Okay. Okay. It's very good. So I decided I was going to give this black thing a try. So I went to one black's place yeah. uh, one week and then a couple of weeks later I went to a different black's yeah. place. But what I really liked about it was that one of the places, actually both of them did, um, on their sign and on their menu with talking about their sides, it mm -hmm. actually said gluten-free, vegan, you know, sure. gluten-free, yeah. vegan, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. And I would, I, and at a barbecue place and I was like, Oh my, I was so excited. I'm, I was so surprised mm -hmm. to see that. And of course it's because it's close to Austin and mm -hmm. it's expected yeah. like from their audience. Of course, the other note is that food, both places, I think I paid like 40 bucks yeah, it's expensive. for me by <laughs> yeah. myself with like one side yeah, and barbecue like is not cheap. a quarter pound of barbecue, yeah, you know, yeah. like I was like, what? Yeah. Oh my God. You know, it, it's just the, the process of the time it takes and, and the loss, you know? So if you yeah. start with like a 20 pound brisket, you end up with like 10 pounds of beef in the end. That's viable. So you got to offset that cost. Right. So that's a barbecue so expensive. Do you like cooking barbecue? Yeah. I yeah. Love it. I just wish I had like a proper setup, you know, I don't have like a, crazy pits some guys have the you know the really yeah. big pits but i wish i had that but my wife's like i'm not a barbecue person so yeah it kind of limits my barbecue <laughs> at home because you like to eat too much mm, i love i i really but like barbecue. I, honestly leave it to the experts they're just there's places now that are doing spectacular barbecue in texas yeah like some of the best so uh what did you think about um joe cotton's i used to go there yeah uh, back in the day for it burnt down right um yeah that was the place you go to in Corpus, right? It was that was the spot down here. So yeah. I had a friend visit me from New York. It was like 2000, 2008 or something, and he wanted to do the Texas tour. So we went up like to Lockhart. And we did, you know, we went to Cruises Market, went to Smitty's, went to Blacks, we went to what's that place, uh, City Market in Lulling, mm -hmm. and we went to Joe Cotton's too. So that, this was like early on, but now it's like like a tourist thing, and like barbecue in Texas now is like big business. Yeah, which it wasn't. So much as it was is now. Now it's huge. So there's some new restaurants that I have to try now. Uh, barbecue restaurants mm -hmm. you've told me about. Yep. Make the rounds. And I, I think I probably need to do a little bit more Texas barbecue eating besides sure. just that one. So needing gluten-free and vegan and all on the yeah. sides or whatever, yeah. you know. It would make such a huge difference to people like me to have to know we could go in and get like a like what sides sure. can we eat yeah. to go with our barbecue that it's yeah. not got stuff in it that's going to make us sick. You know, I, I'm a mostly skip, you know, and then I don't eat anything but meat, which is mm -hmm. not that's not ideal either. There's um, a place up there. It's uh, is it Lexington, Texas, a place called Snows. Snows. Yeah, it's very highly rated for barbecue. Where is Lexington? Is that North Austin? <sighs> I think it's like North. Northeast Austin, I'm not uh -huh. sure. It's yeah. up there though. Okay, gotcha. But that place is like, which is Georgetown-ish to area. I, I think it's a little further up though. But that place okay. is definitely like on on the radar. It's one of the best in Texas. So you are at the Country Club, correct? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and so I can't come get your food if I wanted to come get <sighs> your food. Unless you want to be a member. No, <laughs> Every no, member no. brings mm. you. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. So I, I did that life already. Yeah, <laughs> so it is. It is a private <laughs> private club. I've been there for. 
a little over three years now. So it's been a great experience for me, kind of learning the ins and outs of the the club life, you know, yeah. and being part of like a, a private club is different than a restaurant or right. a hotel I was before that and fine dining. So it's it's nice because you get to make relationships with people because they keep coming back. They're regulars, you know, they're, yeah. yeah every, everyone's, they're a re, everyone's a regular. Right. So yeah. you get to know their needs and wants and what they don't like, what they want. And ultimately, you know, what I see is that I'm there to provide for them the comfort that they want. Uh-huh. You know, make sure they're happy and they get what they need. And and it's it's always a yes answer. I was going to say, do you, <laughs> you get know? a lot of, I'm sure you get a lot of special requests. Oh, but all the time. Like diet requests, no Everything. sugar. Diet and, requests. Yeah. I want this from a menu from 20 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, let me make that for you. Yeah. Diet yeah. requests you do, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think I've noticed, though, I see less of the, like, um, vegetarian gluten allergies. Uh-huh. Before, when I worked at the, at the Omni Hotel, there was, like, constant, like, gluten this, gluten that. Uh-huh. And I don't see so much of that at the club, honestly. Interesting. I, I don't. I don't know why or what that is, but I, I don't get too much of that. That's interesting. It, it is interesting. Yeah. It is I don't know what what it's a con to, but it's a real thing. <laughs> so, somebody told me the other day that this could be a total trigger and piss people off, but somebody that told me the other day. You know, I think maybe only white people have gluten allergies because brown people <laughs> never ask for that kind of stuff. And I was like. I don't think that's correct, but um, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know if, it, if it's uh, has anything to do with race, but I mean, it could be. We don't, we don't really know. <laughs> it's kind of funny to me, but it, to me, it, it has more to do with like the type of person that would ask for that, right? Yeah. Like, and yeah. I'm one of those people that I'm like, oh, you got to ask. Everybody's yeah. got to ask. Yeah. Everybody's got to, you know, whatever. Well, that's what I always t- I, I tell people. You know, if you have a request, you know, don't feel intimidate or shy you can't ask because we're, we're, we are there to provide right provide mm-hmm. you a service provide you a meal that's clean that it's honest right and not mm-hmm. not lie to you it's oh it's gluten-free it's got gluten in there no you have to know what's in the food and that's yeah. important to me is truth to menus and then educating your your consumer you let them know what's what is, what's, what's gluten-free what's not gluten-free and like they ask questions like is a pasta gluten-free chef i'm like uh no dude it's got made with flour. <laughs> I don't have the pasta. The soy sauce? No, it's got wheat in it. Yeah. So it, it's a constant, you know, educational thing. Right. Know? Yeah. Teaching them what in menus are, what what is it? You know, the tortillas gluten-free? Yes. They're gluten-free tortillas. They're, they're a, corn tortillas, you know? That's a good question. I have to ask that question often. Yeah. Like, are your, are your corn tortillas actually gluten-free? Yeah, they should be. Do they, they have be. wheat in them? Yeah. Who makes them? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. if they tell me they make them there in the restaurant, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we're good. Um, some places I'm like, you don't make your tortillas here. I know you don't make your tortillas. There's a place in, um, Aransas Pass mm-hmm. that makes fantastic corn tortillas. Really? I haven't been over there in a while, but I need to go over there and check them out. Um, but yeah, that's been kind of a, um, I don't know. I just, I just don't eat out that much anymore. I just, I get, I, I get like, I get sick to my stomach so easily, yeah. you know, and I don't know, like to me, I wonder if it's like cleanliness you know, like hmm. salads. Like, how, how am I getting sick from a salad? Well, you know, well, that's you'd be surprised. Like, the biggest yeah. culprit in food by illness is uh-huh. going to be a salad. Yeah, that's right. Radiate foods too. because that's where the food is not cooked to a certain temperature. Right. And that's where bacteria loves to thrive. So, so it is. Someone's, yes. Yeah, so that's salad bars, salads are probably your, your biggest spreader of um, foodborne illness. Yeah. For sure. More than like a steak or something. Absolutely. It'd be salad. Yeah. Or a sandwich. All right, it's time to do the random question thing that we do. Okay. So here's the questions. I haven't looked at these at all, so it's going to be totally random. There you go. I'll take this one. one. Yep. Okay. Which new person would you like to have as a friend? Which what? Which new person would you like to have as a friend? New person? Uh Uh-huh. Which new person would I like to have as a friend? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of that is very strange. Kind of strange. Question. Which new? I mean, new as in what? First, as in, as I know, in right? New as on newly born or newly <laughs> newly minted as a celebrity. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really know what that means. New person, new I person know. in your life, maybe someone you know that you kind of know in your circle. You don't really know. You like to be friends with them, maybe that could be it. I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of weird. I mean, for, well, first of all, if you know me, you know I know everybody yeah. but don't know anybody. <laughs> I mean, that is the truth of yeah, my life. Like, sure. I know everybody but don't yeah. know anybody. 
Um, and I, any of those people are new to me. I mean, sure. so many, I mean, I, anybody like anybody that comes up to me at the farmer's market that I've never, one of my, one of the things I always want to tell people is, is so often, ev pretty much everywhere I go, I get stopped and, oh my God, you know, I follow you or, mm -hmm. oh, are you Aislinn? Or I recognize you from your hair, you know, or, you know, something like that almost everywhere I go. But what always is strange to me is when I'll get a message later on that someone said, oh, I saw you at the grocery store and, and they'll say like, but I didn't want to bother you. Sure. You know, or something like yeah. that. And I'm like, no, I want, I don't, I don't, I don't, I want to be your friend. Like yeah. I want to know you are a real person and yeah. I'm a real person and that we don't have this parasocial like interaction where you see me as some kind of weird celebrity and, yeah. and you created in your mind who I am. I think, uh, I think your, your presence on social media, what I see, that's, that's what I see. I see you as that person that wants to make real connections, not just like some celebrity. You're like, yeah. you want to be. Yeah. Know people and get to talk to them, have conversations. Yeah. So every new person is someone I want to meet. Sure. Like that's, I mean, yeah. every new person is someone I want to meet is the answer to that I question. I guess uh, for me, be like maybe AI. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's new, you know? I mean. You want to meet an AI? You want to meet somebody that has artificial intelligence? I guess so. <laughs> the first person with AI in their brains. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's we It's coming. Already, it's coming like, soon, apparently. Something, right? There's that Neuralink thing happening. I don't know where it's going to be. In, right into your brain. Interesting. Elon's doing that, I think. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Who knows what's coming next? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I have some theories. I have some, some, um, premonitions, but you know, the thing about premonitions are the moment you make a prediction or predictions, the moment we make a prediction, we change the prediction. Like the prediction yeah. changes mm -hmm. by just being aware of the prediction. By putting out the universe. Yeah, for uh -huh. sure. So I'll just keep putting things out there in the universe, hoping to like cause some shift in them just because I've brought them to someone's attention Stir other than my own. Stir some shit. It's always good. Stir up some shit. Oh, <laughs> man. What I want to learn in life is how to stir shit in a way that doesn't just cause conflict and mm -hmm. anger. It's constructive. Yes. Yeah. That's what I want. I want, sure. I want it to be. Um, and I, and I, and I think that there's definitely an element of how I present sometimes, you know, it's a little too aggressive. It's a little mm -hmm. too passionate is the word that people liked. Passionate's not a bad word though. I That's don't a think good it word. is either. It's a good word. It's been my light. Yeah. It's a like, good word. If I'm passionate about it. It must be something that God. Yeah, it's guiding you. And I'm here for. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for coming out tonight. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And cooking me some fried rice. <laughs> thank you. And you showed me some steps cool. that yep. will help me get better at it Absolutely. and try it on my own next time. And I know how to get a hold of you to ask you yes, questions you if I have Anytime. any issues with it. So Anytime. we also didn't talk about, we should have, but we didn't talk about this amazing mead. Oh yeah. Black so so mead. You, you brought out this uh, random bottle of Shram's uh, black currant mead. It's delicious. It's a, uh, yeah. Very sweet, but it's like pure essence of, of currants, like just juiced into a glass. Where did you get it from? Uh, from a friend of mine who lives in Michigan. So it's actually a meadery. It's in Michigan called Shrams. Uh-huh. You can actually buy it now in Texas. They actually ship it here now. Where in Michigan? Uh, Detroit. Right nice. in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I was in Michigan this yeah. summer. Yeah. And anyway, I um, we had several episodes where we talked about mead, you know, using mm -hmm. honey to make yeah. mead. And um, I had this bottle that had come from you, you know, one of the events we participated mm -hmm. in, you left us with a bottle of this mead and I thought, uh, fried rice and mead were, <laughs> and black currant mead. We're giving it are, a try are, tonight. Are your bees still here? You have bees here? No? There's bees in the yeah. back. And yeah. The bees are, are working and doing their thing. As far as I know, I don't, I don't really <laughs> you, know you much about bees. Them? Yeah, no, yeah. I don't, I don't really mess with them too much. Um, uh, I need to check in with my beekeepers and make sure everything is going good, but yeah. There may be some meat in the future over here. You never know. I would love that. <laughs> I would love, I'm all about make your own booze, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, thank you so much for my coming pleasure. out thank and spending so the much. evening Excellent. and helping me time. out. Yes. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you friends again for being at the dinner table with me. Um, you know the drill about sharing and all of those things. And if you've got thoughts about how important this podcast is to you and whether it's something you look forward to every week. I would love to hear about that because I am really looking at my life. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm laying everything out on the budget table and making decisions about where it fits and what it brings to my life. 
And it definitely brings some things to my life. But I think one of the biggest things that would matter to me is for those of you that have been listening to this podcast for a long time to let me know the value that it brings to your life and how important it is to your life. Um, you can do that by just simply reaching out to me. I can't tell you the number of times that somebody will message me and say, man, your posts really, um, uh, really helped me, you know, things like that. They, those make a difference in people continuing to do things that require a lot of energy to come out of them. And when I'm trying to decide where is the best place to budget my energy, um, I have to take this podcast into consideration. And so I would love to hear from you guys about what this podcast means to you, some of your favorite things about it, what you would love for me to change, if they're too long, if they're too short, you know, anything, please reach out to me and tell me your thoughts about the podcast. I look forward to hearing them. One more thing. If you would like to be on the podcast, I would like to have you on the podcast. Come have dinner with me and let's have a conversation. You don't have to be anybody that's a local celebrity. You don't have to be anybody that has some kind of special business. You don't even have to be a chef. You just have to come out here and hang out with me and be willing to have a conversation and open yourself up to having just a general conversation and having a good meal. On that note, I will see you all next week.